Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We welcome in Steve Ashburner from NBA.com. Uh, you and I both saw the Knicks game last night. A couple of things from that game. The Knicks had established a, um, a double-digit lead uh, at one point, even into the second half. And they looked like going on all cylinders in every phase of the game. Uh, DeMar DeRozan got hot a little bit. Uh, I don't think Zach Levine is anywhere near 100%. Do you? No, um, you know, and that's been an issue for the Bulls. Um, you know, he's only recently begun playing in back-to-back uh, -back games. Uh, this this knee management has been uh, more of a concern, I think, and I think it, I think it does limit his his game somewhat. Um, you know, it, it seems like it's uh, for whatever reason, whether whether it's difficult for him or whether he chooses to do this, he seems to. Um, you know, have uh, more impact and more ener energy and uh, work more later in games than, than early in games. And uh, I got to think some of that is a little bit related to the, uh, to the knee. Uh, it's interesting to me, and I've watched enough Nick games to see there's a difference in Julius Randle. Early on, I thought there was going to be uh, an issue with his adapting to the arrival of Jalen Brunson because he demands the ball. And as the point guard, you can understand it. So Randall, you thought, would have to adjust. Well, in recent games, he has. He's laid off the officials, which I'm delighted to see. He's <laughs> focused on the game. Hey, you know, I remember back in high school, I had a teammate, Lenny Tobin, great player, but never stopped bo bo bothering the officials. At one point in the locker room at halftime, we all said, Lenny, shut up. <laughs> You're going to yeah. You make enemies that way. I mean, you know, if you if if people are looking to get the benefit of the doubt, you know, those officials are human. They're not necessarily going to give it then to, uh, you know, they'll do their job as professionals. But, you know, any gray areas, it's easy, uh, whether it's conscious or subconscious, they're going to, you know, just think, well, this guy's a jerk. And why should I even believe his version of events? So, no, I think uh, I think that's legit. I I love um the low post old school nature of uh, Julius Randle's game. I mean, he gets down there and he bangs when he does get down there. I mean, a lot of times he's flitting, uh, you know, out on the perimeter. And uh, I know that's the, the modern style, but um, not my, not to my taste for, for guys built like him. And uh, really he should not, he should not quibble over having a, uh, you know, a ball heavy, point guard he has he has to get the ball from somebody yeah i mean so you know power forwards you know they're pretty much dependent on a point guard to deliver it and if they can work out you know sort of a uh a distribution um that works for both and uh that ought to be a good thing well randall and brunson combined for 61 points last night which had a lot to do the game was won in overtime a big three by brunson late in the overtime uh was the difference in the game 
Knicks have now won five in a row. My question is, we didn't expect this. Uh, we thought they were a play-in team. Well, now they're making a lot of noise. Question is, and you don't have the answer to this, neither do I, can they continue it? Well, that's a challenge. And, um, you know, we'll see. I think I think Brunson, you know, has has won some people over. And I had, people liked him. He was a good player and and thought highly of uh, in Dallas. But, you know, in the offseason, when he got the contract he did with the Knicks, it seemed to um, owe more to desperation and we have to make a splash. We have to get a headline rather than the kind of player he was, but he sure seems to fit um, really well. And when you think about the, you know, I'm not comparing them as players, but when you think about Thibodeau and his, his reliance on um, and, and sort of, um, shared success with Derrick Rose and, and how, how he put the ball in his hands. I mean, Brunson is a, you know, a legitimate surrogate um, for, a, for a young Derrick Rose and, um, you know, to, to run things. I mean, it, it's something that works with, with Thibodeau teams. So I think, I think uh, Brunson is, you know, terrific. He's aggressive. Um, certainly offensively, he's, he's gifted and uh, feisty. So, um, yeah, I, it, it's it's interesting to me to watch, you know, what he has sort of zapped into that into that squad. I mean, when he first signed the contract, it was over a hundred million dollars. Usually, that's reserved for an all-star player or superstar. Right. Uh, Brunson's a fine player, but he's not an all-star yet, uh, and he's not a superstar yet. But it shows you how desperate the Knicks were to get a point guard. Uh, and then, you know, the whole thing with the Donovan Mitchell deal—he was definitely coming to the Knicks. I've seen that forever and a day with the Knicks. We're going to get this superstar, that superstar, and it never, never matured. So now Donovan Mitchell goes to Cleveland. And uh, I mean, what do, what do you know about the deal the Knicks proposed? Was it not enough? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, you know, you, you, that's your first uh, impression is that uh, Utah would take the best possible assets in return. And um, it's just a matter of price and who's the higher bidder. Um, you know, I can't, I don't know enough to know if there was anything other than that where they didn't want to deliver Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks for some secondary reason or anything like that. So, no, they just, um, I tend to think they just got outbid. Cleveland gave up, you know, a lot. Um, you look at how Larry Markinen is working out in Utah, and I think the Jazz are pretty happy about that end of the trade. And, uh, of course, you know, Mitchell has been everything he had, uh, touted himself to be, um, you know, since joining the Cavaliers. I mean, his his early impact uh, has been, you know, tremendous on them. Steve Ashburner, NBA.com. Uh, I got a theory about why he didn't go to uh, he didn't go to the Knicks. Danny Ainge sticking it to the Knicks. <laughs> from, well, see, that's, that's what I was alluding to, basically, but I didn't, <laughs> uh, without more corroboration, I didn't want to uh, throw anything really out there. Uh, let's talk about the team across the river, the Nets. A uh, little bit of a slow start uh, and a variety of reasons, but they've won eight out of the last 10, and they're healthy, and that's the biggest thing. They're healthy. Kevin Durant's getting a lot of help from a lot of people. Yeah, and, and that help was apparent, um, you know, on paper uh, coming into the season. That's why a lot of people picked the net, the Nets to emerge from the East. Um I didn't. I, I I needed to see it. I mean, you know, the story 
prior to this season was, well, you know, how much have, have Harden and Irving and Durant played together? Well, they swap out Harden, they bring in Ben Simmons. It doesn't change that uh, question in terms of how those guys would would thrive or not um, together. And then we had the, you know, the Kyrie Irving sideshow of uh, <clears throat> all the all the clamor, you know, about his off-court opinions and, and stubbornness. But that all seems to have, quelled, you know, quieted down. And, um, you know, they still have, and, and, and frankly, largely healthy. Um, I know that, uh, you know, Royce O'Neal had, had a little bit, uh, you know, he was out um, recently. But, but otherwise, no, health-wise, they're, they're in good shape. So this is when they should be making hay. And as long as Kevin Durant, you know, continues to defy the aging curve, um, second only to LeBron, I would think, in, uh, in the mileage and, and how much it doesn't seem to matter, um, you know, they're a force to be reckoned with. So, you know, as it plays out over the next four months, it'll be interesting to see if, if the Nets can live up to all those early expectations. Let's go back to the Kyrie Irving saga. And it is, I mean, he gets suspended for six or seven games. I forget what the number was. But apparently he had a sit down with the Nets owner. Do you think that solved anything? Uh, I mean, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop with Kyrie. How do you feel? Well, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, this is a this is a tricky year for Kyrie anyway because it's a contract year, right. and and so you generally expect guys to um, be at their top in performance and in um, bedside manner in terms of their demeanor and things. And they don't want to rock the boat in any which way. Kyrie's never, you know, seemed too um, hampered by any external force when it comes right. to uh, him making his way. Uh, through his his life um yeah I don't know I I mean there's a side of me that 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 appreciates Irving and his willingness to be himself and and not just spew uh platitudes and boilerplate script that that people are supposed to say um he's willing to be wrong he's willing to be uh controversial um I think He's, he's a bit of a contrarian and it seems somewhat intentional at times that, that the way he'll dig in his heels on various things. But um, in this day and age where true freedom of speech is at a premium, there's a lot of pressure to conform. Um, I, I admire, I, you know, without, without addressing the content of what he says, I think that audiences throughout, whether, whether it's on social media, whether it's fans in an NBA game, whether it's people sitting at home, I think audio are all too sensitive. They've lost the ability to just tune out or change the channel. And everybody wants to smash the TV now. And so I, I think the, um, you know, I think it's good for people to be reminded, you know what, people can, you know, you have a freedom in this country to make an ass of yourself sometimes. And, and we all should learn to deal with that because we've probably all been on the other side of it. So, you know, again, not to apologize or to focus on anything in particular that Kyrie has said, whether it's the earth is flat or, you know, um, he doesn't like the vaccines or, or whatever it is. Um, but I just think that, that there's a free spirit nature to him. That said, there is an obligation when you're part of a team and you can't jeopardize the hard work and the focus 
that all of your coworkers, your teammates are, are putting in. And so you do have, you know, some, you know, some duty to, uh, to sublimate a little bit of what's going on with you, especially during the season and when the games to win night in, night out. No, I completely agree. Uh, I, I have had this feeling about Kyrie. I'll draw a parallel to it. Odell Beckham Jr. in the NFL mm. it was with the Giants. Same kind of personality. He was disruptive in the locker room. And now the Giants have basically said, no, 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 we don't want to revisit that again. And they've looked away. I don't know about the Dallas Cowboys, but, but that's a subject for another day. Uh, last night, oh, yesterday, we saw Golden State lose to Indiana. Bigger than that, in the third quarter, Steph Curry had 38 points in the third quarter. He gets hit in the left shoulder and goes down. Supposedly, he's going to take an MRI today mm -hmm. and determine the seriousness of the injury. They lose in for any period of time. That's a big loss. That's, that's the heart and soul well, of the Warriors. I like Steve Kerr a lot. I think he's a terrific coach. Personally, I like him very much. Uh, I kind of feel bad for him, but, you know, they've had a lot of success, uh, and we'll see what happens uh, again with Kerr uh, uh, and, uh, and Curry. Curry comes back there in good shape. He doesn't. They got a big problem. Yeah, I was in Milwaukee um, the night before that and uh, saw a Golden State play there. And, you know, Kerr was addressing the officiating uh, that night. Um, you know, that, that uh, Curry had gotten hit on the head and there was no call. And he ended up, uh, both Curry and Kerr got technical fouls over that um, when they protested. And so this, this was sort of a escalation, I guess, of that situation if uh, – if uh, Curry is being, you know, uh, now it was a freak kind of a tangle where um, his his shoulder took the brunt of the uh, mm -hmm. the strain on the arm, but um, yeah, I mean it, it's not a um, it's not sort of the chosen team again. Um, this you know for the Golden State Warriors, I mean they have a miserable road record. I think they're like two and eleven right on the road and um it's it's a flip a flip side of of their home record and uh, that puts them you know hovering around or a little below 500 where where you know that that sort of you know split personality will get you so you know we have gotten used to them having great success and they've been a very easy dynasty to to root for because of the personalities on that team by and large I, I like Draymond Green for a lot of the same reasons I talked about with Kyrie. But yeah, he's he's combustible and, and he's not always, you know, the best guy for uh, uh, camaraderie and kumbaya. I mean, as, as uh, Jordan Poole would probably attest. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is this is all part of it. And, and I don't think people are oh, they're likable. So you might feel sorry. But generally speaking, in terms of the basketball gods, you know, things have a way of evening out, uh, you know, for, for teams that are successful that you, you're going to have to, uh, to deal with some adversity. And that's what they're, that's what they're facing right now. Steve, you look at, um, recently they changed the MVP award to the Michael Jordan award. I'm proposing they change, they make it the Draymond Green award for most ejections and most technicals. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what the NBA wants to highlight, you know, I mean, that sort of a thing. Um, no, it, it's interesting to uh, to have seen those um, uh, those awards rebranded. Um, when they moved Maurice Podoloff, the NBA's first commissioner, they took his name away from the, the, the MVP 
board. And now they put that on a uh, most victories in the regular season uh, trophy, uh, which is a team thing. You knew something was afoot. I thought that, and we may still hear something, you know, this isn't all done, but I thought there was, they were finally going to uh, find a way to recognize uh, David J. Stern with, uh, with an award, you know, maybe yep. making the, uh, the MVP uh, name above the, uh, the headline, but um, he, he, uh, He'll probably get something, I don't know, a different kind of trophy. Um, who knows? But, I mean, you can't you can't not have David Stern um, attached in some way to a uh, uh, to an award or a trophy right. for this league. Um, interesting choices for some of those uh, some of those awards they put on. I mean, people have suggested, well, wait a minute, Kareem won six MVPs, Jordan and Bill Russell five. So why wouldn't Kareem get the MVP trophy? Well, he already has a social justice trophy and I don't know whether he was given a choice or not, but, but my, my um, hunch is that had he been given a choice, he probably would have stuck with the social justice trophy because that was always so important to him, uh, that sort of stuff and work by athletes on, you know, outside their, uh, uh you know their sporting profession um but i don't know that and and it, there there doesn't have to be a direct uh, you know correlation that the top mvp winner that gets the trophy named after him and the top scoring champ gets something named after him if they did that i mean uh, michael jordan's scoring champion trophy would make sense he won so many sure. titles but um yeah it's it's interesting i mean the nhl has sort of been out in front of this right i mean they had these cool names on all their awards the Hart MVP trophy, or the Art Ross Trophy, and the uh, um, the Lady Bing for uh, sportsmanship. Draymond Green right. could never win that. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, the Stanley Cup is the coolest trophy out there, and uh, you know, so I think the NBA has sort of uh, taken a page from the uh, from the Hockey League's uh, book. Steve Ashburner of NBA.com. You have said before uh, with the Warriors struggling right now, and obviously we don't know about. Steph Curry, uh, but who is the challengers? Well, you don't have to look very far than the top of the West, where the New Orleans Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies are tied at the top, ironically, with two young studs in Zion and uh, and, and John Morant. I mean, with Morant, I've watched this league a long time and been calling games for a long time. I don't know of anybody that made me jump out of my seat more than John Morant. He is just spectacular. <laughs> well, you know, part of it is um, it's the David and Goliath thing. I mean, he looks so uh, almost frail compared to a lot of the players that are out there. He's shorter than most of them. He's slender. He, he leaps so high that you know he's at risk by being that high above the floor. He's still got to land one way or another whether it's on his feet or, or some other body part. Um, I agree with that. He, he can contort himself in the air. Now, I just did a story on Derrick Rose and, you know, talk to people uh, across the league and and I have my own memories. And, you know, Derrick Rose, when he had it going on his first four seasons before he suffered that, that bad knee injury, um, he he was, he played just as, as high off the floor as John Morant but he exploded up there. I mean, he had strong, he was strong in his upper body. Um, he was, he was a very forceful game. Uh, Durant, uh, Morant is a little more, 
um, sort of like an autumn leaf, um, you know, when he's up there. He can get knocked about. Um, Derek was, you know, he attacked the rim and, and, and he, he gave as good as he got when he would, uh, when he would play that way. So, but I agree with you. I mean, Morant's incredibly fun to watch and there is a little bit of apprehension every time he goes up yeah. in terms of how's he going to come down. And, um, now he's great for that team. Um, you know, they're young, the Pelicans are young. I mean, Zion Williamson, a little bit the same thing. Um, you know, he's strong enough to go up and clear space. It's just a matter of how much pounding his, his feet take on those landings. Um, he's in better shape than he had been. And, you know, it's certainly put in all sorts of time in terms of phys- physical therapy and preparing his, his body. And I presume his uh, lower extremities. So, um, but his health, I think will dictate a lot of what the, uh, the Pelicans do. They have a deeper team. They have, he has help. He has, um, uh, you know, solid teammates in uh, obviously Valanciunas and uh, C.J. McCollum and Jose Alvarado has emerged and, and Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones as a, as a yeah. tremendous wing defender. I mean, they've got they've got pieces that fit there and not a lot of uh, success in terms of their, their experience, but this is how you get it. This is the time to do it. And I would expect those two teams, and frankly, I, I have high expectations for the Denver Nuggets that they need to demonstrate how good they can be and that's what this regular season is for for them you know Golden State they don't have to worry about the regular season you know Milwaukee they don't really have to worry about the regular season they they're proven commodities and 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 they are capable and they've earned the right to sort of flip the switch come springtime but these other teams you know they need to show it they need to learn it they need to demonstrate it and and that's what that this type of the this part of the schedule's for yeah well and, and by the way the grizzlies the grizzlies have won six in a row uh you didn't mention boston uh the, boston's interesting here they lose their head coach when they lost Ime, uh most people thought uh they were dead in the water because he had that kind of an impact on the team well guess what here they are at the top of the East and the way Jason Tatum is playing right now. I remember him the year before he came into the NBA when he was at Duke. I saw him in the, in the, uh, in the uh, uh, NCAA tournament mm-hmm. and marveled at his ability. I said, wow, this kid's going to be a star someday in the NBA. Well, I'm not the only one who said that. Just look how he's playing right now and the way that uh, Jalen Brown's playing right now. They are, they are a team to be afraid of. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that they, they are so um, formidable offensively. Um, you know, the, we saw Boston win largely on its defense last season. And, you know, most of us presume that as Robert Williams, you know, returns and returns to form, um, their defense will improve closer to what it was last year. Well, if they're able to maintain their offensive game now with the defense they had last year, I mean, that's a that's a nearly unbeatable combination, I think. And uh, as far as Joe Mazzullo, you know, two things in, well, three things in his favor. One, he was on Ime Adoka's staff. I mean, he was his right-hand man. So there's continuity there, even with Udoka being gone. Um, two, this team... They dealt with a brand new head coach last year. 
So they're dealing with a brand new head coach this year. They sort of know the footsteps to take for that. I mean, Doka was new and look at the success he had. So now Missoula's moved over one, one chair and they're sort of, okay, we have a new head coach and you know, whatever worked then can work now. And the third thing is Missoula just, he does seem to, he's not just a, um, uh, a guardian of the Doka school of, of how, how things went last year. I mean, he, he coaches to his own agenda and his own priorities. He's got an unpredictable um, timeout pattern. He t- tends to let team play through things. Um, you know, you, exper- you, you expected that with uh, Phil Jackson. He became famous for it because he had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and a lot of experience on his teams or Kobe and Shaq and wanted teams to figure it out themselves. Well, Missoula's sort of asking this younger team, uh, certainly younger key guys with uh, Brown and Tatum, to figure things out. And that can only benefit them, I think, in the long run, because, you know, as they figure out how to get out of predicaments, you know, part of that is learning how not to get into the predicament next time. So um, I think it's a great, great situation there. I thought Boston would, would win the East. Uh, you know, when we were asked for our preseason, preseason predictions, I'm always high on the team that loses in the finals. I, I think that's such a valuable um, mm. experience. And of course, we saw what Phoenix did last season in the regular season, but then it didn't translate to the playoffs. But they came back from that finals loss to the Bucks, and they were tremendous last year, all year long. And then they uh, they get bumped off by by Dallas. So Phoenix is, uh, I think, they're still sort of spinning from from that. And you know, they have brush fires up and down their their um, their organization, their roster. Uh, that kind of add up to a whole bunch of uh, heat right now. Let's go to across the country to the West. Clippers, uh, right now, I- I'm looking at the Clippers with Kawhi back. Paul George had a triple-double last night. Uh, this is a team that you better be careful of because they'll come and get you. Uh, and in the same vein, uh, the Lakers, that's a whole different story uh, you got James and Davis, as long as they're healthy, they're fine. But I cannot see the Lakers going much further with the current crop. Everybody said Westbrook was going to get traded. Well, he's playing pretty well in yeah. his backup role off the bench. Uh, do they make a major deal? What do you think? Well, they probably want to. You know, it comes down to uh, what are they willing to give up? What do they have to give up? And who wants to make the Lakers better? I mean, that always – that always stymies me too. Now, if you're a team that that has your eye on uh, Victor Wembanyama as the uh, top pick in the draft, you know you may say, "Here, Lakers, you know we'll give you things because that'll help us lose. You don't want to take much back in return, at least for the now. You'll take draft picks and things." But um, maybe they make a move. Um, I think I think for them to be taken seriously, I think they do need to upgrade uh, their talent base. You know, Westbrook has has taken some made some strides in terms of you know adjusting the coming off the bench mm-hmm. um he's shooting better his shot selection still isn't always great um but uh you know so we'll see an anthony davis that's good play play you know as as well as he's played lately it's just a matter of, you know like like i mentioned with zion in new orleans it's, it's a matter of him staying healthy and um you know, we'll see how much that, that continues. I mean, LeBron seems like a given. You, you pencil him in and, and uh, you know, he's good for 
you know, 20 plus points, eight plus rebounds, eight plus assists. And, you know, at age, he's going to be 38 um, by the end of this month. Um, you know, you kind of know what you got in him. And that, that ought to be the, you know, one of the big concerns is that he's going to, he's going to drop off precipitously, but um, it's not, I mean, he's, he's unique. And uh, so it's the other guys. And yeah, I mean, for them to, to respond and, you know, circle the wagons and, and make an extended push here. Um, it's asking a lot. So maybe a transfusion of, of added talent um, is more important for them than it would be for other contenders. Keep this in mind, Steve. LeBron James' son, Bronny, is the senior in high school. <laughs> you know yeah. LeBron wants to play with his son. That would be fun, would it? It'll be interesting. I haven't I haven't paid any attention other than an occasional highlight on Twitter to, yeah. uh, to his son's game. So, you know, uh, whether he's NBA legitimate, whether that's sort of the hope and dream of um, the LeBron family and, and anybody who might draft him, you know, I can't evaluate, uh, I can't evaluate him at this point. Um, hopefully he's that good. A lot of NBA stars have had, you know, extremely talented players, uh, you know, uh, offspring, um, Wool players in the NBA have had stars uh, come, you know, from offspring. So there's no perfect equation for for measuring that. He has the genetics. Let's just give him that, and then it's a matter of uh, what he's able to do with that at the highest level. Appreciate your insights, Steve, and thanks for your patience. We had a little technical difficulty earlier. Oh, by the way, just as a side note, next time we get together. Let's make sure we tell each other what we're wearing because we're both wearing gray sweatshirts. I thought this was the uh, the Howard David podcast uniform. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> Big Brother was uh, dictating the terms here. I'll let you be the one to wear a tie. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that either. Hey, Steve, thanks again. Appreciate your help. And you, you stay safe. Thank you. Same to you. Merry Christmas. Same, same to you. He's Steve Ashburner, NBA.com. Uh, Interesting, very interesting uh, about where the NBA is right now. Uh, looking forward to uh, hearing more about the league as we move on. And into, as Steve used this phrase, you know, into the springtime when the playoffs start and everything really matters. Let's shift gears a little bit before we call it a day. NFL now down to week 15. This is really fun time in the NFL. Uh, you got some key games this week. One game stands out to me, and that's the Miami Dolphins at Buffalo. Here's a Buffalo team, frankly, that got away with one last week. Uh, they had they, they had the Jets on the ropes. The Jets hung around uh, with Mike White taking every hit possible. I mean, he got knocked out once, came back in the game. Got knocked out twice, came back in the game. The most important thing, yeah, the win is important. But what Mike White accomplished is the respect that he gathered in that locker room after the beating he took. And he stood in there and continued to play. I was impressed. Robert Sala, the head coach, was impressed. And everybody in that locker room made a medal note. Now, it's interesting that uh, Zach Wilson, who they drafted with the second overall pick last year, uh, has been elevated to the backup quarterback this week when the Jets play host of the Detroit Lions. But let me go back to Dolphins and Bills. Uh, you got Miami, 
that has been flying with Tua Tagovailoa. And go ahead and say that fast three times. They were on fire offensively. Well, they've cooled down a little bit. Tua has cooled down a little bit. This becomes a very important game for both teams. The Bills want to win the AFC East. Uh, the Dolphins are trying to make the playoffs. They need the game. It's going to be very difficult. Here's a warm-weather team going into cold-weather Buffalo, where it's not only the temperature, it's the wind and the effect it has, particularly on a team from Florida. Look, I broadcast Dolphins football years ago, and I remember going up to Miami, uh, going with from Miami to Buffalo and playing the Bills. It was no contest. Now, that was then. This is now. This is a Dolphins team that's far better. Uh, do they have a chance? Sure. Do I think Buffalo prevails? Yes, because Josh Allen, at his size, at 6'4", 240 pounds, he is a monster. You, I mean, there are linebackers that have a problem tackling this guy. He is that tough to bring down. But the Jets exposed him in the two meetings this year. They sacked him frequently. They got to him frequently. The offensive line couldn't hold the pressure of the Jets. The Buffalo Bills, though, have a thing this week where they're not going to worry about the Miami defense because it's not at the level of the Jets. So Buffalo prevails. You got Cincinnati playing at Tampa Bay. Well, what do we got here? We got the young versus the old, the young Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals that are trying to win the AFC North against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Is this the same Tom Brady? Obviously not. Uh, is he still a good quarterback? Yes. Forget about his, his uh, resume. We know what he's won. We know that, he is, that uh, the rings he has won't fit on the fingers of one hand. But this is today. And here's a Tampa Bay team that's below 500 that will still win the NFC South because the rest of the teams in that division are just terrible. So they will wind up beating that, winning that division. And so you look ahead, chances are they'll play the NFC East, either Philadelphia or Dallas. It could be the Giants too, or the Commodores. It could be uh, the Commanders, rather. It could be that. We'll wait and see. But has Tom Brady's run run out? Maybe. Here's what I think. Next year, Tom Brady is going to be A, the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Bucks. B, the quarterback on another team. C, he retires. D, he takes a job in television. I'm going with B. I don't think he retires. I don't think he stays in Tampa Bay. I think there's a question about the relationship between Todd Bowles, the head coach, and Tom Brady. Based on what I'm hearing, I don't expect them to be together next year, but that's next year's problem. The Jaguars at the Cowboys. This is an impressively, impressive, I should say, Jaguar team that doesn't know what the word quit is. In Trevor Lawrence, they drafted a generational quarterback. He's now showing it. They'll give the Cowboys a tough game. But Dallas's defense is still for real. Questions about Dak Prescott. I think he's good enough to get the job done. In Ezekiel Elliott, you got an outstanding running back. In Tony Pollard, you got a game changer. 
but it's a tremendous asset if you're the Dallas Cowboys that you have not one, but two really good quarterbacks. The Lions at the Jets. Jared Gospin reborn. And Detroit is a problem. They still have a chance to make the playoffs. So do the New York Jets. They're going into the Meadowlands. That's the Jets' home field. But the Jets have played better on the road this year. And here's Mike White, who's going to get the start at quarterback. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I see this as a high-scoring game, depending upon the weather in New Jersey. We're not really sure. Overall, this is the time of the year when the NFL is getting ready to get close to playoff time. The NBA is in full swing. So is the National Hockey League. For a sports junkie like me, this is what's happening. You folks stay safe. Thanks for being a part of of Howard David Live. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.